Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our church and welcome to our communion table. Um, let us prepare our heart, be ready to glorify Christ, not only remembering him, but also glorifying him. That includes, first of all, acknowledging that we are unworthy of God by ourselves. And we only become worthy because we have Christ. Okay? It's his life in us that is the life worth living. The natural person in us actually loves sin and hates the holy God who will judge sin. But it's a new person in Christ Jesus that loves God and loves righteousness and want to escape from sin and the world. And yet now we are living in a body that we can't. And we have a duty to live in it to show the new life until it's our time to go. So we are in a dual citizenship. We're in a sense in a quagmire. <laughs> but we are glad that we have a future in Christ Jesus. But it all starts from being humble, being poor in spirit. Come to God, recognize that by ourselves we are poor in spirit. But he has made us rich in Christ Jesus. Let's confess our sins and get ready to be renewed. Holy God in heaven, our creator, our judge, our king, and our father. We come to you with humility and thankfulness. Humility in the sense that we recognize the fact that as of our natural self, we are unworthy of your grace. We only deserve your justice and judgment and the payment the wage of sin is death. And death means not only physical death, the separation of the soul from the body, but also eternal death, the separation of the spirit, soul, and body altogether from you forever. That is the future for people who don't know you, and especially for those who hear and reject Christ. And for us who sit here, I believe that all of us have received Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And if not, we pray that he would do it in this communion. And Lord, your grace is the reason that we are here worshiping you with internal joy, knowing that you have forgiven our sins. Because Jesus Christ, your Son, your eternal Son, the future King and heir of your, your estate, he came into this world that he created with you, and he became a man and lived a sinless life, but he voluntarily gave his life for our sins. He died the literally excruciating death because he lo his love for us and his obedience to you. So we come to you with thankfulness, thanking you for what you have done for us, receiving your grace with gratefulness, and we pray that that gratefulness and thankfulness will bring us to true repentance, true obedience, and change the life and a life that honor 
your name. And we pray that this is the path that you have laid for us. We know this is your will. And we know that if we pray in your will, you are definitely going to answer. So we pray that you will let your work be refined and finished in us. Let the new life you generated in us for us believing in Jesus' name, let it grow, let it mature, let it become a blessing to your name and to people around us. And anything, anywhere we fall short, that's called sin. In our mind, in our words, in our actions, we come to you, we confess, and we vow for repentance. And we pray that you monitor us as we turn away from the idols of this world, which are nothing but power, money, and pleasure. We turn away from them and we turn to toward you, toward your glory, your truth, and your righteousness. And we pray that this change of life is evident, is eternal, and is definite proof that your word is real, that the new life is real, that eternity is real. We pray that our life will become the proof of your goodness. And for anything, anywhere we fall short, we know you have covered us by Jesus' blood. We just pray today that you do that again and renew us again and uh, lead us from now on on a straight path. We pray in Jesus Christ's holy name. We have just finished a series in our devotional, com uh, uh, what do you call them, communion devotional. 
which is called Christ in Psalms. Okay? And uh, there are many, many places in Psalms that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was prophesied. Right? We rec recognize that. And there is a Christian um, thought school tradition that believes Christ is in every book of the Bible. Um, I personally don't see it evidently. Uh, it may be a little stretch uh, for some books more than others. Okay. Um, I will try to give you a little stretch for the rest of the books in the poetry portion of the Old Testament. Okay. Uh, so from now on, I will try to see Christ in Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. Okay. So the story of Job, we all know a little bit. Okay. Job was a righteous man. So good was he that God actually used him as a sample to Satan. You know, Satan was kicked out of heaven when he sinned. He no longer has a workplace. I guess he doesn't have his cubicles in heaven. Okay? But he still has access. He still has the key. Because he goes there to accuse believers, saying, See, this guy, you want him to be an heir and a son, and I'm still a head servant. That's not fair. Look, he has sinned. And uh, thank God that for us, New Testament saints, we have uh, the best lawyer in the world. <laughs> Jesus Christ, our defense lawyer. He says, yes, I admit they have sinned. But I have paid for their debt. Look, I kept this sign of the nail here. I have paid for their debt. So Father says, they're not guilty. Bang. We are relieved. Okay. So this is for the New Testament sense. Old Testament sense, it was not so obvious then. All right. So that's, that's why when they die, their soul have to go to some place called the Hades. Actually, the good portion of Hades, which is we call the paradise. Paradise 2. Paradise 1 is Eden on the earth. Paradise 2 is in Hades for the Old Testament sense. When uh, Jesus resurrected, they are taken to heaven. Okay? We, when we die on the earth, if we die before the rapture, our soul directly go to see the Lord face to face. We don't have to wait because our sins have been paid. Right? Old Testament sense, not paid yet, so they have to wait. Okay? But they are not with the Lord in heaven. So Job was such a righteous, righteous person that when... Satan came for the heavenly council, the meeting. Okay? Satan, uh, uh, God says, where have you been? He said, I've been walking around the earth. And um, in the New Testament says he was walking around devouring people. Okay? And, uh, and God says, have you seen my servant Job? He's so righteous. And Satan said, well, he may be now, but if you take away your blessings to him, he may not be so righteous anymore. Okay. Well, God says, okay, I approve you to test him. So Satan sent his agents. They took away the wealth and the children. The wealth I can take. Children, I don't know. Okay. But after that, Job did not curse God. He simply says, I came naked 
and I will leave naked. God gave, gives, and God has a right to take. I have no complaint. He gives sovereignty to God. The second meeting happens. Satan came to heaven, and God asked him, Where have you been? Have you seen my servant Job? He did not curse me after you have done what you asked. And Satan said, He may be good now, but if you take away his health, he may curse you. Well, God says, I approve you to take away his health. You see, Satan only can do what God approves, right? Okay. So whatever happens to us, if it's bad, appar apparently, it was approved by God, either for our good or for the greater good. In Job's sense, it's for the greater good, okay, for all of us to know the story. So Satan took away Job's health. He was in such sickness that his body stinked. His friends came and visited him. They couldn't get close. They sat far away so they don't have to hold their nose. And they didn't say anything for seven days and seven nights. Best thing they did. Okay. And after they began to, to say something, they used their twisted theology and they began to judge. Okay. And they were wrong. And Job insisted on his innocence. And even his wife who said, why don't you curse God and die? Don't misinterpret it. She is, did not, does not disbelieve in God. She said this because of love for him. She didn't want him to suffer. She wanted him to curse God so that he may be stricken by God and die immediately so that he will stop suffering. Okay. But, but Job didn't do that either. What he did was only one error that he said, I think God owes me an answer. That is one error that can ever find for Job. Because God doesn't owe anything to anyone. He doesn't owe us answer. He's sovereign. He decides with his authority. And uh, his, his things are always right because he is righteousness. And his purpose is always good because he is love. So we have no right of questioning him. Okay? And if we question, he has no duty to answer. Okay? So I think there is the only place that Job was presumptuous. Okay? However, even when he sinned in being presumptuous, he still showed one true faith. He says, I know I will stand in body before my Lord and see him. Okay? He believes in the resurrection. He believes in seeing face to face to the Lord, okay, the judge. And we know in the future, actually, it was the son who will be the judge. Okay? So he believed he will stand before Jesus Christ and be judged. And that is a true faith. In the Old Testament sense, believing in resurrection. Okay? So I would say Christ in Job is the eschatological judge who will give answer to Job. That was Christ in Job. Okay. So Christ is eternal. He's the eternal son of the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He came into the world. That is not he became God's son. That's God's son became Jesus Christ. Okay. And uh, 
as a man, he lived a finite time, 36 years on this earth, not 33. From December 25th, uh, 24th evening of 5 BC to um, April 3rd, AD 33. That's his time on the earth. He was 36 years old. But he is more than the finite man. He is the infinite God who came into this world as a man, so he is the God-man, both God and man. As God, he did not sin. As man, um, he could have sinned, but he let his human nature submit to his divine nature, therefore he never sinned. Therefore, as the only man who never sinned, he should not have died. So his voluntary death, it pays for other people's sins. Not his, for he has none. And those who believe in him, accepting him as whoever he claims to be, he is the son of God, he is the son of man, he is the judge of the world in the future, he's our redeemer and paid for our sin, he's the one who propitiated God's wrath, he's the one who restored the image of God in us, and uh, uh, all of those things that he said about him, if you believe it as true, and personally you receive him as your savior, that means he paid for your debt, you're debt free to God, and also as Lord, that means from now on you belong to him. If you agree with all of that sincerely in your heart, then your sin have been paid in full. Those who have done in the future and those who have done in the past, present and future have been paid in full. You have owed no debt to God. You will have a future with God in holiness and in love for the eternity to come. That is our hope. So as we come to this table, we remember what Christ has done for us. This bread reminds us of his body being broken for us on the cross. This is unleavened, remember? That means the sinless life was killed to pay for the sinful sins of the sinful man. And if we identify us as a sinful man, but as a believer of Christ, then we are no longer sinners, but now called saints. And we're not completely holy yet, but our spirit is holy. Our soul is being sanctified, and our body will be resurrected to be holy. So that's our faith in what has God, done, God has done in the past, and our hope in what he will do in the future. Before, between them, betwe between these two, between the cross and the second coming, we shall live with love. Love God with our whole mind, heart, and soul, and strength, and love others as ourselves. If we do that, we are living the life of Christ. Let's remember him, let's be renewed by the Holy Spirit, and let's walk the path of God. The, blood, uh, the body of Christ was given to us on the cross. We take this bread in remembrance of him. blood of Christ was shed on the cross to cover our sins and we drink this in remembrance of him. Lord Jesus Christ, the 
Son of God, the Son of Man, our Savior and our Lord. We come to you, recognizing you now as having all the authorities under heaven and on earth. You are below one person, God the Father, and above all things created. We recognize you as our Savior, our Lord, our King, our Head, our spiritual husband, and then our um, Lord. You are our Master. Thank you for adopting us into your family, and we pray now we will be loyal to you, and we will live according to your will as demonstrated to our heart through the Holy Spirit. We pray that our life will glorify your name in this earth and attract other people to come into your family. We pray that your name will be glorified, recognized by all people, all land, all nations. One day, and all knees shall bow and all mouths shall confess you are the Lord. Before then, you are now our Lord. We pray in your name to the Father. Amen. Thank you.